This is the art of charm. Learn everything you need to know to crush it in business, love, and life. Today we're talking with Dove Gordon. We're going to talk about the important questions you need to be asking yourself about your life and possibly your business if you have one. What is my why? Am I living it? What does success look like? Am I enjoying the journey? Am I hanging out with the right people? And what would happen to my loved ones if I was no longer around? This isn't just about asking those questions, but about setting up your life so that you actually have time to examine what's important and making this a part of your life. So welcome, guys and gals, to The Art of Charm. I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best thought leaders, teachers, and exceptional individuals to teach you how to be a top performer in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise, packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a curriculum. We may not have all the answers, but we definitely have all the questions. Stay up to date with AOC and get some weekly videos and great stuff that we can't share on the show by signing up at theartofcharm.com. We'll also send you our fundamentals toolkit that covers topics like body language and nonverbal communication, persuasion, business networking, public speaking, negotiation, and a whole lot more. Of course, the weekly video drills and exercises to help you move forward every single week. Of course, I also want to encourage you to join us in our social capital challenge at theartofcharm.com slash challenge or text charmed to 33444. This challenge is about improving your social capital, inspiring more people to develop a personal and professional relationship with you. It will make you a better networker and connector. And of course, invite your friends to theartofcharm.com slash challenge or text charmed to 33444. They can join the challenge too. Now enjoy this one with Dove Gordon. So, Dov, thanks for coming by, and tell us what you do in one sentence. I help the I have really good consultants create a consistent flow of their ideal clients. Now, this seems important because I'm not a consultant per se, but I guess from a coaching, training, whatever you want to call it, background, consulting, I guess, at that, at that level, it's very difficult to find ideal clients, even when it's easy to find clients, which it never is in the beginning, finding ideal clients is tough because we're stuck in this mindset of, well, I don't want to turn down a client because that's money, that's a client, that's business. I can't afford to do that. And even people who make millions of dollars per year and have multi-seven, eight-figure businesses will take on out of, I think probably habit, pretty much anybody that wants to sign on if they're not thinking about who their ideal client is. Michael Port, my friend Michael Port, calls it the velvet rope. And you can really blow it taking on clients that are not worthy of your services or aren't the right type of clients, especially if you're training in groups. And we see that a lot at Art of Charm boot camps. We're very careful about who we let in because in a group of 10 guys, eight guys, if you get a guy in there who doesn't belong there, it can derail the whole thing. And if you're coaching individually, it can just make your life miserable if you take on too many of these non-ideal or poor fit clients. Stephen Covey said years ago, I remember hearing this in some talk, and it just stuck with me. In order to say no on the outside, you've got to have a stronger yes burning on the inside. And in order to say no to a client who's not a good fit, you have to have a stronger yes burning on the inside. And what that means to me and, and in what we do is that why would you take a client who's not a good fit? You take a client who's not a good fit because you're afraid that you won't be able to find a client who is a good fit or you won't have enough business otherwise. So we take a client who's not a good fit. But once you have a simple, repeatable process, a marketing and selling system or process that you know works, 
it's a lot easier than to say no to a client who's not a good fit, which is, of course, the right thing to do for everybody. This is something that is underestimated, I think, when people start businesses, because especially consulting or coaching businesses, and I know that you work with a lot of people that have been on this show before or that I know personally. So this is an important topic that I think people make even at higher levels. It's not just a, a rookie mistake, even though it might sound like one. And it also sounds like one of those what do they call it in the UK, champagne problems, where you're like, well, I have so much business, how do I pick the people I wanna work with? But it's more important to start doing this early rather than later. And I like this idea, I think it's an important point. You do have some resources on it that we'll throw in the show notes, but I would like to sort of shift a little bit into a story that we had talked about pre-show about this last webinar. Yeah, absolutely. So. Now, I mentioned to you that we have a group of people like me who support, sell to, and support entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants, uh, small business, and so on around the world, a hundred plus people, and a number of those I know you know and have, have had on the show. And I call it my JVMM, Joint Venture Marketing Mastermind, very clever title. <laughs> we really get to know each other and support each other in many different ways. It goes beyond business. One of the people who had been in in this group very early on with the first handful. His name is Mike Seddon from the UK. And about June, July of 2015, he found out that he was uh, dying and he had weeks or maybe a couple of months to live. Oh, wow. How old was he at this point? 51. Oh, wow. So there was, you know, we, we have a very active email list and he's a really nice guy. He was a really good hearted fellow, like really British, always, always had a good joke, could laugh at himself. And we knew that he had some issues. He'd been in and out of the hospital. It took them a long time from the beginning of 2015 until middle of the year when they finally helped him figure out what was wrong with him. You know, I mean, he sent us an email to the group letting us know what the diagnosis was, you know, and that, hey, I've got terminal cancer. And turns out that, you know, chemo might be able to help, but they discovered that there are blockages that would prevent the chemo from working. So maybe they should do surgery to remove those blockages to allow the chemo. And even then... As he said, it sounds like I'm between a rock and a hard place. And he had a few days where he wasn't sure what to do. Now, when a friend of yours suddenly finds out that they have weeks to live, you know, you think like, wow, look, first of all, it's, it just shakes you up. And, but it's also, what can I do to help, right? Well, sure. At this point, though, did you have a totally different view of mortality? I, I know when Scott Dinsmore passed away, he was my age, and he, he's a well-known entrepreneur as well and he was on the show I just sat, I remember just for days kind of laying in my bed looking at the ceiling and being like wow he was one of the healthiest people I knew and this is just such a weird thing and it wasn't like he wasn't doing a Red Bull flight thing or some kind of crazy bungee jump I mean he was just hiking right up a mountain that a lot of us would do and it really shocked me and I, I would imagine you felt somewhat the same way because you're a little younger than than your friend but at some point, this just kind of came out of left field. If he wasn't feeling well, and then suddenly he was dying, and there was nothing yeah, that could change it. Absolutely. M Matthew Kimberly actually wrote a post about Mike Seddon and what's his name you just mentioned? I forget because I didn't know him personally. Scott Dinsmore. Scott Dinsmore, that's right. Because they died within a couple of days of each other, and he knew them both. And the big difference between them, the, I guess the only difference is that Mike had a few months warning and Scott had none. Mm -hmm. So it absolutely did shake me up. And a couple of things came together because it's like, whoa, you know, we just go through life and we really never know 
how much time we have. We like to think about it. And what happened is now I proposed to Mike, I suggested that he put together what we called the last webinar. And a big part of that reason was because I figured like, hey, here's this guy who suddenly has his whole life turned upside down or sideways. The way he sees everyday things, the way he sees everything, I'm sure has just shifted. And I wanted to know how he sees things. I wanted the benefit of that perspective because, you know, I like to work, learn from other people's experiences, you know, who wants to have to have that experience to be shaken up. And that's one of the big reasons why I wanted to do it. Why do you think it's important to create something like that right before? I mean, it, it seems like at this point, time is at such a high premium. It seems like you wouldn't want to waste any time on anything that wasn't extremely crucial for your legacy or for your family and things like that. You wouldn't even want to sleep at that point because mm -hmm. you just know that there's just so little time. Every minute is worth, worth an, it's, it's priceless. So why do a webinar? Yeah, why do a webinar? It seems almost... Not to minimize it, but it, it almost seems trivial at this point. Yeah, so that's, that's a very good question, good perspective. And that's exactly what I was thinking. So people are asking me, hey, Dove, what can we do for Mike? And I'm thinking, what can we do for Mike? I would send him flowers or balloons. I mean, it just doesn't seem like that's it. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if I was in his situation, how would I feel? And I realized that, you know, I would feel like I have so much left to give and I suddenly don't have that opportunity. You know, all that... You, die with all that music still left inside. Mm -hmm. And I realized, you know, I remember definitely inspired by Randy Posh and the last lecture. And I had this idea because Mike was an AdWords expert. He was a consultant in AdWords and he would do webinars and teach people and so on. And I said, Mike, why don't you do the last webinar? And I realized that that could be an opportunity for him to share the things he's learned over the course of his life, but particularly with the perspective of somebody who, a thoughtful person like he is, a generous person like he is, particularly somebody who just discovered he's got weeks to live. And it turned out to be a tremendous gift to him and from him for all of us, because it gave him this chance, this platform to really give in a big way that would live beyond him. And so it's very much the kind of thing that you would want to do when you find out that you've only got weeks or months to live. Yeah, from that perspective, it definitely makes sense. And I think from my own life, one of the things that I love most about doing the show is if I, God forbid, get hit by a bus tomorrow, there's a lot of stuff that I was able to put out there. I'm not waiting till I'm retired to write a book or something like that. And even if a lot of it is me talking to other people, <laughs> it's okay. There's a record of my existence, right? And that's one of the most important things. So I can definitely understand from that perspective why it's important. What was in this webinar that was so urgently needed and so important? And it seems like it would be almost impossible to design because at this point, Mike's boiling down lessons from his life that he's taken over half a century and trying to contain them in, in a few hours at most. So what happened was is that there were a few days between Mike getting his clear diagnosis and deciding what to do about it. And he and his wife, Barbara, they talked to the doctors and they asked questions such as, okay, well, what are the options? And the doctors talked about chemo and about surgery. And, and they asked, well, have you done this for others in the same situation? Yes, we have. And how many of them have experienced longer life or better quality of life? And the answer was none. So they talked about it and, and they made a decision that they're going to refuse treatment. And his decision was he was going to go home and live out the last weeks or months. It turned out, I think, to be just under three months together and make the most of every day, like you were describing. You know, he sent us an email that 
that shared his decision. And the end of it, he says, now that the decision is made, I'm very calm and feel peaceful. I also feel blessed by the outpourings of love and support. It's humbling. For Barbara's sake, I intend to make this the most joyful days of our life together and leave her with the memories to treasure. I have no regrets. I've had a life blessed by so many things and so many wonderful people. Your messages of support sustain and nurture me in the dark moments. Bless you. Much love, Mike. Now, one of our colleagues, his name is Nick Jervis, responded to that thread at some point, And he was responding to the point about making the most out of every day. And Nick said, you know, hey, Mike, you've always been an inspiration. I'm booking a sudden day into the diary going forward, sudden days. And that's a day when Nick's like was take a day to step back just take a step back from the day to day and reflect so that he can be sure that he's making the most out of every day. And that really talked to Mike. That got him excited. I mean, it got him teary-eyed. And he started to think about the idea of spreading this idea of people taking a sudden day. Again, to him, that suddenly gave a whole new meaning and purpose to whatever life he had left to inspire people to do that. And what he opened up the webinar with was talking about how Mostly we're entrepreneurs, but it applies to an entrepreneur or an employee or it's all the same. You know, we build a business or we go to work to build a life, but so often we forget about the second part, to build a life. And the business takes over. The idea of a sudden day, as he then framed it, is to take a step back in order to remember, to reflect, and to make a change, even a tiny one. Uh, and then you go back to your real life and you live with that. We have to, as a society, we don't take enough time to step back, remember what we're really trying to do, reflect on how well we're doing it, and then what small change do I need to make? You know, I know you have your week-long programs. That's probably a big benefit for people just getting out of the regular routine. Yeah, it is, especially when people come in from out of state, they've taken time off work, they're not sitting there on their phone answering email, they're going through a lot of drills and exercises, thinking about what's important to them, getting clarity on moving forward. That's a large part of boot camp. And I think a lot of people after boot camp come back, we see a lot of changes like I quit my job or I started a business or I broke up with somebody or I made a big move, you know, proposed to my significant other or decided to have kids. I mean, there's huge decisions get made in the weeks and months following this process, the boot camp process. And I think in large part, it's not just the drills and exercises that we run. I'd love to take full credit for that, but I, I can. Part of it is not being in the trap of routine day in and day out where you don't have time to step back and reflect on everything that you're doing and go, wait, why am I doing this again? Kind of like how Mike said, look, I need to actually step back and, and make these days count for everything because now I don't have another opportunity. And I think even the most sort of positive thinkers among us and the most self-actualized among us, we still know there's going to be more time later on to recalibrate, do different things. We don't think about the end coming right now or next mm -hmm. month. And so right. we don't put the time at a premium. And I'm guilty of this too. You know, yeah, I've gotta do more of this and this and this, and I've gotta work on my health more, or work on my Chinese more, or whatever sort of goal that I have. But, you know, today, wow, I'm really slammed today. I can't even think about that today because I got so many shows and I've gotta get my inbox down to zero. Stuff like that takes precedence, which is ludicrous when you really put it right. in perspective. And if you've got that hard stop, to put it crudely, looming on the calendar, you would never make the same decisions that you make on a day-to-day -day basis. I wouldn't anyway. Just picturing what you just said was actually helpful for me because I'm thinking like, yeah, right. I'm hearing Mike's voice because I was re-listening to the last webinar ahead of this. 
the things he shared in the webinar was what enabled me, he said, to come to the end of life or life stopping. I think he used that word as well. And I'm just picturing looking at my inbox, which is totally out of control. And I'm <laughs> thinking like, wow, you're right. If I knew that, it wouldn't even tug at the edges of my consciousness. Right. And it shouldn't for most of my day. Absolutely. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to Kajabi dot com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. So what do we take away from the last webinar? I mean, are we forced to ask ourselves questions? Give us a run through. So Mike and I spent hours talking, preparing. And now he and I had never met in person, you know, but we've had a long distance internet friendship. So we spent hours on Skype talking because he was on morphine and I was helping him take his ideas and put them into structure so that there was a structured presentation. And he really felt like he had no regrets or very few regrets. And he came to realize, you know, hearing this idea of seven days that Nick had kind of pulled out of what he had said. Yeah, that is why I have so few regrets, because we distilled it down to about five questions that Mike kind of felt looking back. He'd been asking those questions from time to time, and that helped him get on the right path and to step out and reflect, to remember, reflect, and then adjust, make small changes. So most of the webinar, he shared those questions with you know, his thoughts and commentaries. You know, people should go listen to it. And those are the five questions that he was telling all of us that, hey, take a sudden day or a sudden session if you don't want to take a whole day and go through these questions. So you can walk through those questions if you like. Yeah, I would love to. Where do we start? A lot of times people are always looking for some new ideas or new information. And and what I said there is like, if you want to gain from this, from this last webinar, don't come here looking for something new. Look for a new understanding of something that you already know. Look for a deeper understanding of something you already know. That right? Look for the courage to take a bold step and do something you already know you should be doing. You know, the idea is if you can walk away from these questions or that webinar and understand something you already know in a better, deeper, more meaningful way, then let your life will change. Uh, with that note, the first question is, what is my why and am I living it? You know, and Mike gave the point that, why am I doing this? Well, I say I'm doing it for my family. So why is it that I'm spending so much of my time at the business and so little time with the family? 
I see. So what is my why and am I living it? Okay, that's important. And I can see your example, just to clarify that, is if I'm spending a ton of time in my business from my family and in the process ignoring my kids, <laughs> it makes less sense, right? Because, oh, I got to get these kids out of here. I got to work on the business. Well, why are you working on the business? Well, so I can provide for my kids. Well, the circle fails, right? The cycle fails or the checksum fails, to put it in nerd terms. That's my fear sometimes is like creating a cats in the cradle scenario just, you know, all over again, right? Yeah. We're doing it for the kids, you know, and then you have, you get older, you want to spend time with them and now they're too busy to spend any time right. with you. And Good call on cats in the cradle. I forgot all about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a frightening song. <laughs> it is actually. Yeah. It's really upsetting. I've got six kids. So, you know, when I think about this question about, you know, what's my why and am I living it? So many of us, we're running away from something instead of running towards something, right? If you find yourself, you're telling yourself, you know, I have to, I'm doing this because I have to. In all likelihood, we don't have to. And it's not your situation. It's your way of thinking. There's something in, you know, you've disconnected from what it is, you know, why you're doing certain things and you're not directing your life. You're being blown sideways through life as the expression goes. You know, I, I think, who was it who said that the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation? And I noticed that it's because they're not leading lives of quiet desperation. It's because they're not leading their lives. They're being blown through it, allowing themselves to be blown through it. And taking the time to really step back and ask ourselves, well, what's my why? And am I living it? And really let the questions just come into our mind. You know, take the time to relax and reflect on that. I'm so happy that I'm able to share this with you because it's forcing me to review all this. Yeah, I, I think it's extremely important. First of all, what is my why and am I living it? Stepping back to do that and not just a quick in the car, am I living it? Yeah, hold on, where's the 7-Eleven? I mean, this is something that <laughs> requires a lot more thought than just a quick yes or no. Because I think everybody, certainly myself, when I think about this, I often kick myself for maybe canceling something that is important to do work when I could work on it, realistically could work on it later, and I'm kind of postponing life to work on AOC as a business, which is something I'm obsessed with doing, but at some point I have gotta keep it in perspective because I don't wanna lose my relationships with people, canceling invitations and things like that with friends because I have especially non-urgent work that needs to get done, and I'm so guilty of this. I'm so guilty of doing that, and I think a lot of people are. I know it's kind of a tradition in my family. My dad missed a lot of things when I was growing up so that he could work, and now that he's retired, he's kind of bored, and you know that's understandable, and I think if he could do it over again, he would probably make some serious changes, and I'm trying to learn from that, but man, old habits die hard. That's what Mike Seddon wants us to remember, and that's why he was so moved by the idea of Seddon Days. Let's go down the list of questions so that after this, people can set up a sudden day and knock it out, knock it out of the park. So question number two is, what does success look like? And again, these are, these are surely not questions that no one has, you know, that we have. We know all these questions, but we don't stop to do them. Right. We just don't take the time to actually answer them. We just go. But we don't have the courage to really recognize that we could today decide I will not you know, no, I have to do it. No, I don't have to do it. Right. So what does success look like? And most people, you know, we're chasing something that we don't even want. You know, mm -hmm. clients have asked me, okay, how do I know if, if I should keep, you know, cause I say, you know, when you hit the wall, keep hitting it. And they say, well, how do you know when you should stop? 
Well, there are two times when you should stop. Number one is if you get a fundamental understanding that you had a fundamental assumption in what you're doing that turns out to be wrong. So like if you you're opening up a steak restaurant and it turns out that 90% of the people in that city are vegetarian, okay, stop. Don't keep working at the restaurant, right? Do something different. The other time you should stop is if you realize that what you're chasing after is, uh, is not what you really want. You know, so what does success look like? I think our society is too much obsessed with celebrity, too much obsessed with rubbing shoulders with other people and pays not nearly enough attention to mastery. Well, that I can definitely identify with. Tell us the difference then between mastery and let's say rubbing shoulders with celebrities. Obviously, rubbing shoulders with celebrities may be self-explanatory, but what do you mean by mastery? To me, mastery is about realizing that you don't need to know everything to get what you want. You have to become really good at something. And that's your core skill set that enables you to make your contribution to the world around you. But let's say, for example, like in the world that I operate in, where I'm helping people get really good at creating a consistent flow of their ideal clients, marketing, there are so many tactics out there with Facebook and Facebook ads. And remember, blogging was big. It was just a few years ago. You've got to be blogging. And then it was Twitter and then Facebook. I mean, there's so many tactics and people are running around in so many different circles trying to do it all, but you don't have to do it all. You have to master the fundamentals. You have to understand why a tactic works when it doesn't, and then build a simple, repeatable process and get really good at it, get world-class at that one process. Then you have that yes that we referred to, so you can say no to all the distractions. You know, it's like, I'm sure we're all tempted in every business to expand beyond, to add more products and services. I don't know what your temptation has been, but I can be sure that people have come to you and said, hey, Jordan, you should also do this or that. And, you know, for a moment, you're like, hey, yeah, maybe we should. But but then you realize, wait, I've got to stay with what we're strong and there's so much more we could do here. That's the mastery. It's not being pulled in so many different directions. It's not running after the shiny objects or the glitzy people and believing in the lie that it's easy because it's not easy. Everything worthwhile is going to take work. There are no shortcuts. Right. It's easier, though, to try and feel good about what you're doing. And one of the ways to do that easily is to be in the same place as other people who you think have made it. Right. So it's easier to go to an event and be like, I'm on stage with Richard Gere or whatever, rather than actually do something. Right. It's easier to sort yeah. of hustle that invitation so that you have the appearance of it and feel good temporarily. I think that's a toxic mindset, too, because what it leads to is an inferiority complex, because then you're rubbing shoulders with people and you're comparing yourself to them, which, in my opinion, is almost unavoidable. The reason that you're unable to measure up is because you haven't been working on the mastery angle. Totally. I'm not a sports fan. And, Me neither. And, okay, well, so then, you know, then maybe you can relate. But, I, you know, I've been to some sporting, you know, so I remember being at a baseball game, the Mets game in New York City as a kid. The energy that people, sports fans, pour into the success or failure of the people on the field, it boggles my mind. I don't understand it. If they would take 1%, 10% of the same energy and enthusiasm direct to these other people and their lives and instead directed into their own lives, their lives would be so different. It just boggles my mind. <laughs> By the way, I, I really admire people who are masters of their craft. I want to spend time with those people to learn from them, to find out how they think about the world. And that's essentially what your whole podcast is about. Yeah. Right? It's exposing people to that mastery. But too many people are just drawn to celebrity, which that's not really what success looks like for most people. No, no, and it's easy to get taken in that direction, and I've seen this in myself, especially when I lived in Los Angeles. 
since everybody's kind of doing that, you get obsessed with the appearance of success rather than actual success. And that is such a toxic road. Mike shared one regret. Mm -hmm. And he said, I wish I'd given myself permission to be me far earlier in life. Oh, wow. And that's an important part here is like, you know, what does success look like? It also, it's not the first thing that pops into your mind. This requires reflection. Once we get into a habit of chasing after something that's not really necessarily what we want, we don't even realize it. So I wish I'd given myself permission to be myself far earlier in life. Just something to think about. Jeez, yeah, that hits kind of hard, I think, for a lot of folks. So we've got what is my why and am I living it? And we've got what does success look like? What's next? Question three is, am I enjoying the journey? And to illustrate this point, Mike talked about when he was uh, still in the corporate world, you know, if, if I just get the next promotion, then I'll be happy because then I'll have extra money to make the car. But he was miserable working for corporate idiots, as he put it. Right? <laughs> yeah. When he finally gave himself permission to be who he wanted to be, he quit his job and he went off to start his own thing, right? Yeah. Many of the people that I work with in my business is people who leave the corporation. They're really good at what they do and they think that, oh, I could be a consultant only to discover that you can succeed in, in a corporation and succeeding solo as a consultant are two very different skills. So, But people should make that leap. If that's what's in it, if that's what's in you, make that leap. So am I enjoying the journey? And reflecting on this, because I think it's a bit of a paradox here, right? On the one hand, we have to work the process is a term that I've come across in many places and I, I talk about it as well. You gotta work the process, right? The obstacle is the way. Ryan Holiday, Ryan Holiday has yeah. a chapter on that, right? That's a fantastic book. I mean, that book should be taught in high school, in my opinion. Work the process. And we've got to do the drudgery. You know, we've got to do the things that everybody's got to do some drudgery. If, if we, James Clear has a great post on this. If you wait to do the things that you need to do until you feel like doing it, you're never going to get where you want to go. You've got to work the process, right? At the same time, are you enjoying the journey? And I think that this is a, a paradox because so many people don't, work the process. They don't do the repetitions because they're waiting until they feel inspired, until they want to do it. And therefore they feel lousy about themselves because it adds up. So they're not doing what they know they should be doing. And the irony is that when you work the process, when you do the repetitions, you push yourself through the drudgery that is involved in every job, I think, or every business. There is always going to be some of that. Sitting down and preparing for this, I resisted that. Right. But sure. But I didn't want to sound like an idiot on. Right. I hope I don't. TBD. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. So uh, let the audience decide, although you decide too. But the key is it's doing the preparation. It's doing the work. And then ironically, we get to enjoy the journey. You know, so the, the third question, am I enjoying the journey is an important question as well. Am I just kind of settling for this because one day I'll be happy? Even the journey is something that's valuable to me. All right, back to Dove Gordon. And I think this is crucial. Again, of course, find myself in the same trap where it's always the next thing is really exciting and then I can relax a little bit and, oh, we should do this once this happens. And very rarely do I step back and go, wow, look at what we've built so far. This is great. This is amazing. This is fun. It's really easy to get sucked into stress and just live in it and take a bath in it every morning. <laughs> And I think most of us, or many of us do this. I know my family definitely was like this growing up. It was just like, my dad worked for Ford in the 90s and the 80s, and it was just like stress, 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 getting overworked constantly. And it became really bad news. And I know a lot of entrepreneurs who are 
they're doing really amazing things, but oh, but once we get our investment, oh, then it'll kick off, and oh, man, once we hit iTunes top 100, then, you know, we'll have this, and oh, once we hit this benchmark, then it will really kick off, and it's cliche, but it doesn't stop us from falling into that trap. We have to look for reasons to enjoy the journey, because a lot of times, that's our clue that we're on the wrong path. If we really hate where we are now, and we're not just excited about the next thing, but we actually despise where we are now, it might not be the right path at all. Would you agree with that? Yeah, totally. And I think this connects with the idea of mastery as well. It's not always pleasant to do what you need to do to master your craft, whatever that is, right? But you have to do it. And ultimately, I think that nothing makes us feel better about ourselves than mastering something that we really enjoy. I mean, it's, it's work to sit down and write something. The hardest part is pushing yourself to do it, usually. I mean, I'm describing my situation, right? It's work to prepare. You know, people like to just show up and wing it because they think, oh, I'll be good. I'll, we'll see. It's rarely as good as those who prepare. Again, with the celebrity culture versus the mastery, we often, we just see the polished results. We don't see often enough the work that went into it, the mastery that lies beneath it. And then people get frustrated and when things don't work for them right away and they think, oh, it must be me. I'm not going to succeed. I don't have it in me. I can't do it or all the self-doubt, you know, am I doing the right thing? Will this ever work? You know, it's just false. It's just absolutely wrong. And it's so unfortunate. It's a perverted view of reality. All right, so what is my why and am I living it? What does success look like? Am I enjoying the journey? What about question number four? What are we asking ourselves now? Question four is, am I hanging out with the right people? Ah, perfect. There isn't all that much to say or, you know, what comes to mind with that is, is that there's an old bit of Jewish wisdom that says, buy yourself a friend. <laughs> okay. Right? Buy yourself a friend. And we all know you can't buy friends, but you know that, right? You can't buy a friend. So what is what kind of wisdom is that, right? Right. Yeah. So an explanation I once heard is, well, a true friend will tell you what you want to hear. What, not what you want to hear, what you need to hear, whether you want to or not. That's a true friend. Someone who really cares about you enough to tell you what you need to hear, even if it's not what you want to hear. And if you don't have anybody in your life who is a true friend, then pay somebody to sit and tell you what you need to hear. And it's so important to hang out with the right people, the people who aren't going to sit around and you know gossip with you and talk about how hard the world is and how unfair things are and you poor thing. No, people are going to kick you in the behind and say, hey, stop whining. Get back up and keep moving. I mean, you're, you're on the right path. Stop whining and stop pointing figures and, and just take responsibility. The right people are the ones who hold you to a higher standard because you look around and we've all heard that saying that, you know, you're going to be the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I really think it's true. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's one of the major sort of takeaways from AOC is we, we say this all the time is that you only go as high as your five closest friends. And it's not quite that cut and dry, but we notice when people, especially after boot camp, when guys change who they're hanging out with by making it a conscious process instead of sort of a default process because as most of us probably have noticed or would notice, my friends growing up were the kids on my street and then they were the kids on my sports teams when I was in high school and then in college it was the guys on my floor in my dormitory and then at work it was the guys that I worked with and then once I decided to be conscious about this, I didn't care about hanging out with my neighbor just because he lived close. I sought out the people that I wanted to be like or take cues from or take habits from or or become a little bit more like and that was a game changer because now you're not dealing with other people's sort of negative energy or negativity or bad habits you can actually filter in people who are going to help you improve that is completely life-changing and most people never bother to do that because they don't make the selection of who they're around a conscious process 
Let me give a tip, a practical tip on that, because listening to you and, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, m most of my friends are around the world. I've never met most of them. These are the people in my joint venture marketing group, right? Mm -hmm. But I've had so many conversations with them and I met some in person and they open your eyes to what's possible. Like you, you can want something, but the typical thought mistake we make is, oh, I want that, but I don't know how to do it. So then we kind of dial down what we actually tell ourselves we want. And when you're talking with people who have just kind of think bigger and they've seen things you haven't seen and they see possibilities you haven't seen, they can just say one word or one sentence to you and it suddenly opens your eyes to things that, ah, oh, now I get it. I'm thinking of several of those conversations. Now, the practical recommendation is that it's really important if anyone wants to really build a network for themselves to really get to reach incredible people over time, don't start by trying to reach people who are, you know, five, 10, 20 levels above you. That's a big common mistake. Yeah. Like, oh, start with people who are where you're at, a little ahead of you, maybe a little behind. But high quality people, people who are doing things every day, happy to leave their ego at the door, share both what's working, what's not working. And then you all get back together again and keep working. The people that I have access to through my group now are people that five years ago I would have considered unreachable. And the reason is because when I started that six, seven years ago with a handful of people that I'd met online, different places, they were a little ahead of me, maybe a little behind, high quality people. And over the years, we've grown. We've got people doing multi-million dollar launches in our group. And they'll answer my questions. And they'll answer, you know, that's not particularly what I'm trying to do. But, you know, I learned so much from them and apply it to what I am trying to do. And that's really something that I think you're probably describing what you actually did based on, on kind of reading between the lines is... Don't try to reach for the top. Find people a little bit ahead of you and grow together. And, and you know, it might, yeah, it takes a few years, but at least you'll get there. You're never going to get there the other way. Are there exceptions? Absolutely. But the exceptions are the exceptions. And unless you have it in you to be an exception, follow the rules. I love that. Yeah. And even if you think you have it in you to be an exception, you don't really know that until it happens. That's for sure. It just pays to play by the rules in this in this area, especially in the beginning. So, all right. One, what is my why and am I living it? Two, what does success look like? Three, am I enjoying the journey? Four, am I hanging out with the right people? What's the fifth question? And the fifth question is, what would happen to my loved ones if I was no longer around? What would happen to my loved ones if I was no longer around? And, you know, Mike had uh, shared how he credited his financial planner who 15 years ago had helped him set up certain things so that his wife will be okay. Part of this is he was very successful in life. He was never very rich as far as I know. I don't know the details of his finances, but he took the time and, you know, he had life insurance. People don't have life insurance. Get life insurance. You have people that depend on you. Get life insurance. You know, Dave Ramsey talks about, I forgot what he called, like a legacy box or something. Make sure that you've got passwords and different accounts in different places, you know. So make sure that your family knows where they are. Make sure that he had time to do that. He had the time to close things up very neatly. But not everybody has that time. And ask yourself, if I wasn't around in another, you know, day or a week, what kind of mess would I be leaving behind? Do I have a will? And just make sure that you take care of that because you really never know. It doesn't take that much work, but it's important. You know, it's it's interesting because this sort of happened in the last few years to my parents where AJ, my business partner, his father passed away several years ago now and it was sudden. It happened and it just out of nowhere and one of the things that was happening was the sort of setup at home wasn't very cut and dry of what, what needed to happen next. 
And so my parents spent, I think, a couple of months working a little bit, a few hours every day, setting up papers, organizing things, making copies of important documents, putting them into a safety deposit box, letting their lawyer know where it was in case anything happened, giving me access to stuff that I wasn't listed on because when they made it, I was four or whatever, you know, stuff like that. And and redoing the will and making sure it was up to the modern legal standard and very clear and any ambiguity was taken out. And this took a lot of work. But it took them a lot less work than it would take me if I just suddenly found myself trying to figure out which end was up in the middle of a tragedy. And people don't do this until they're inspired by someone else's tragedy. So I encourage anybody who's in this position, and just because you don't have kids, just because you're not a family man or woman yet, doesn't mean you shouldn't do this, because right now, you need to set up beneficiaries for your investment accounts. Things like this, these little simple things that you can do online in 13 clicks, these things can save your relatives months and of heartache and, and trouble and thousands, tens of thousands of dollars sorting out on the other end. So I strongly encourage people to tie up loose ends, even if you're 26 and you don't think you have anything, because somebody else is going to have to sort it out, and you don't want that to happen. So those are the five questions, and... You know, I've gotten some really nice emails and posts on Facebook because we put up a group for Seven Days, sevendays.com. If anyone wants to watch his website, it's just, it's there. I watched the webinar, the last webinar. Somebody named Jace Jennings, I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly, posted this and it really touched me. He wrote, I only got to hear about Mike a few weeks ago. I think this was after Mike passed away. I only got to hear about Mike a few weeks ago. I've spent the last two months stressed out at home. I work from home looking after, quote unquote, my two young kids during a nearly eight week school break, getting frustrated because I couldn't get any work done. My kids wanted attention. I wanted to work. I stumbled by accident across your final webinar and I immediately realized my priorities had become so wrong. I had so forgotten why I was running a business and just who it was for. I've taken stock thanks to you. I had a sudden day with my kids a week ago. We went to the park. We rode bikes. We flew remote controlled toys. We played crazy golf. We did a lot of little things that my kids absolutely loved, and we had so much fun. What a shame this was on the day before they went back to school. Such a wasted opportunity. I'm refocused. I know why I'm doing this and who it's for. I thank you for reminding me of it. Rest in peace. I'm getting teary. I'm choking up reading that. Yeah. It's like, that's the legacy that he was able to leave behind because of the last webinar. You know, and he spent his last couple of months promoting the last webinar and the Shakespeare Hospice, raising money for them because they're the ones they really help people live out their last weeks and months at home in dignity in, in England. So how do you recommend people implement this into their lives? I mean, we've got these great questions and people you know, driving to work right now or on the treadmill or running outside and they're like, yeah, yeah, I should do that. How do you recommend people take action on this? I think we need to block off time and commit to it, whether it's a day or even an hour. And if we're going to stick to it ourselves, stick to it ourselves. If it's going to be hard to do, it'll be easier to have it as a conversation with somebody. Take these five questions in a notebook and a pen and leave your internet connected device somewhere else and just get away for an hour, for a day, a sudden session or a sudden day. Commit to do this because it's so worth it. I think, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking about myself. You know, I, I travel a few times a year on business and when I'm getting up and going away, I'm going to be away. I know that I'm not going to do as much work. I'll be in a seminar for a few days and other things are just going to have to wait. But when I come back, why can't I do that? Why do I struggle to block off time for this kind of thing? I think we need to reflect and just recognize that, that it's an illusion that we 
we just get caught up in this illusion. We think that's how it has to be, but it's not. So I think by having the process that Mike laid out and then just committing to block off some time for it is, is a big next step. Of course, we actually have to do it. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you want to leave us with? I think that if this talked to anybody, they should go watch Mike's um, The Last Webinar. The website is up, seddendays.com. It's on YouTube, totally free. Share it with others because I think this is a message that more people really need to hear. Share the podcast, share the YouTube video. If we just commit to one sudden day, like Jace Jennings did and shared with us in a Facebook post, it could literally be life-changing. Dov, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming in and sharing your friend's legacy with us as well. I think it's extremely important and, and underrated, even if a lot of people already, quote unquote, know this stuff. I think there's something to be said about actually applying it and taking the set in day and, and asking ourselves this, these questions. If, if nothing else, at least you and I reviewed these and, and we both knew it already and we both talk about how we need to do it more. So we, we gain. Yeah, exactly. At least we got something out of it, right? That's, so that's right. For, for everyone out there, that's seddendays.com, S-E-D-D-O-N days.com. And uh, people can find that there. Of course, we're gonna link that in the show notes as well. So if you're running or driving, you don't need to worry about that just right now. And we'll also have your systematic first-rate client that your work, Dov, will be linked there as well uh, so that you get a little something out of this as well. It's good work. It's good work. I appreciate it, and so does the AOC family. So, so really, thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me. You know, this is an interesting show, Jason, because he comes on as kind of this consultant, two consultants, this coach, this expert small business service guy who helps people find their ideal clients, and then we kind of segue into this what is the meaning of my life and am I actually going in the right direction based on the terminal illness of his friend. So I think that took a kind of a cool unexpected turn that ended up being a lot more important than just talking about the business stuff. Absolutely, no, this was a great one. Yeah, it's, it's cool because he's really flexible with that and you can tell he's put a lot of thought into this and it's the same type of thought that we need to be putting into this stuff in our own lives. Because again, you know, I said this on the show, but this stuff still occurs to me, like why am I postponing life for work? Why am I working? Why am I enduring ridiculous amounts of stress slash taking that stress out on loved ones doing this whole thing because the whole reason I'm doing it is for them anyway. It just, you know, you have to sit back and ask yourself these important questions because I guarantee you there's there's a million dads and moms out there that are putting their family second so that they can work so that they can support their family. It's a great reminder to find perspective. Exactly, yeah, and it's if we don't set time to do that, it's just not gonna happen. So if you enjoyed this one, don't forget to thank Dove on Twitter. We'll have that linked in the show notes as well as the other resources mentioned on the show and, of course, his, his work. You can tap the album art in most mobile podcast players to see the show notes right on your phone. I'm also on Twitter, and I post a lot of stuff, engage with a lot of people there, at The Art of Charm on Twitter. Bootcamp live program details, bootcamp.theartofcharm.com. We've got a lot of interesting info there on our live training, so if you're interested, get in touch that way. Subscribe and review in iTunes, iPhone and Android apps available as well. And when you write us a review, it not only makes us feel proud, but it helps keep us up in the ranks so that other people who can use this info can find the show more easily and get the credible advice they need. And it's a great way to support us other than, of course, getting products and training from The Art of Charm. Special thanks to both the Jasons and to Fogarty for their help in production of the Art of Charm podcast. 
go ahead and tell your friends because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else either in person or shared on the web. Now have a great week and leave everything and everyone better than you found them. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and more at theartofcharmpodcast.com.